One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 160. I am so excited to share today's interview with you. My guest today is Larissa Budinovich of Bold City Legal. Bold City Legal is a spunky, approachable law firm for the modern small business owner. Bold City Legal manages the legal side of the house for freelancers and small businesses that are looking for quality legal representation in a casual atmosphere. This conversation is all about demystifying the legal side of things for small business owners like you and I, and I think we did a good job. In this episode, we discussed how legal matters come into play for small business owners, why legal is important even for the smallest solo business from the start, and the options available for those of us with a tiny budget, trademark basics, common legal mistakes that small businesses make, and much more. Get ready for the solid gold of this conversation with Larissa. Here it is. Larissa, welcome to Making Good. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I am very, very excited for this. This is the first time in, I don't know, well over 100, closer to 150, maybe even more by the time this comes out, episodes that we are talking about legal because this is something that I know nothing about. And so I really needed an expert to come on the show and share. So I'm super excited to pick your brain. Um, before we dig into all of the questions and um, you know all the, the topics we're going to cover today, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself and share a little bit about who you work with, what kind of work you do, and a little bit about your path to getting there. Sure. So I am Larissa Benovich. I'm a Florida and California licensed attorney with... I think we're about 13 years of experience as an attorney at this point. Today, I run my own itty bitty small business, which is a law firm um, where I work with other small businesses to help them with their legal needs. What I do ranges from, hey, Larissa, I don't know what I need, but I know I should be thinking about legal. Um, can we have an hour long consultation to just go through the business and figure out a plan to drafting contracts for businesses, to filing trademarks, um, copyrights, different things that help a business protect their intellectual property. So pretty much for small businesses, full spectrum representation. And I only do what's called transactional work. So that means that I don't go to court or for clients or 
deal in disputes. I'm doing the back end work to help make sure that we don't end up in court or that if we do, there's a very high likelihood of success because you have an amazing, well thought out contract. And when I say small business, I am generally working with people that have from zero to four or five employees in that range. I know there's different definitions of small business out Mm -hmm. there. So that's usually what I'm referring to in my own practice. That's really helpful for you to say, because I think a lot of folks listening are definitely in that zero to one range. And so knowing that, um, you know, there are options and experts who are, are there for them is really, really great to know. I loved in your intro when you described that you work from everyone from the person who like knows they need to be thinking about legal something, but literally has no idea what that means. Um, That I think is where a lot of my listeners are coming from. They know that with a business, they probably should have their legal ducks in a row, but they don't even know what that means or where to start. So I would love for you to share just a little bit about what where does legal come into play when it comes to things that small business owners should be thinking about? Sure. So it's a bit multifaceted, but really what legal does is it helps, um, helps you keep your money. So we do that in two ways. One way is ensuring that you don't accidentally do something wrong where you're either subject to government fines or you get sued and you end up owing someone else money. And then we help make sure that you're getting paid for the work that you do and that no one is unfairly, you know, using and profiting from your work without your permission. So what key ways we do that are we make sure that we have contracts in place, that we have an intellectual property plan, that we're thinking about that, if that's a big part of your business, which I know for a lot of creators, it is. Um, so those, it's really about making sure that you're protecting what you're growing and that you're not, usually it's inadvertent, inadvertently violating some law that applies to you or infringing on someone else's rights because those are common ways that we get into trouble. Can you share some examples of that? Like some of the things that people might inadvertently be doing that steps on someone else's rights um, just to make that a little more tangible. Sure. Yeah, more concrete. I, I get that. Um, I think one of the most common ones is just using, say, a photograph that someone found online as part of your business. Now, sometimes people think because they're taking this photo and putting it on a coaster or making it into a postcard that they're changing it. And no, you're probably infringing on the copyright of whoever made that creation. So that's a really, really common one. Or, um, using celebrities images to make products that you're then selling. Um, those are really common ones. And the, the photographs or other artistic creations that cuts both ways, right? Um, you know, sometimes because so many things were advertising and marketing online, we put out our own creative works online. And sometimes people take those and unfairly use them. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So that kind of brings us to that second category you were talking about, which is intellectual property. For anyone who doesn't know what that means or like they hear words like trademarks and registrations and things like that. Can you just give us kind of like a broad overview of what these things are and who they might be relevant for in terms of whether you need to actually take any action around these trademark registration things? Absolutely. So intellectual property is intangible property. So it's a little bit better understood by way of example. So when we traditionally think of property, we think of things that we can touch or view or go into our cell phone, our homes, our cars, things like that. We call those tangible. Intellectual property are creative works. So things, um, sometimes you can you can memorialize them into something that you can touch like a photograph, but it's things like photographs, things that we've written. Blog posts are a really common one. Um, Graphic designs, things along those lines, business names, slogans, um, business logos, those types of things that you've put work into. And even though you know, in most cases, they're just these days in digital form. They are a creative work that you've created. Um, that's intellectual property in a nutshell. And then there's lots of different subcategories within that, that it really depends how much you want to learn. I think it's useful to know some basics. Um, but if not, a good way to approach things from legal is to just think about creative works that either you use in marketing or that you sell, like say you sell a book and just come to whoever you're working with for legal and say, Hey, I wrote this, you know, 25 page book that I'm selling on Amazon. And I want to make sure that someone can't just copy it and sell it. Um, that, that addresses your intellectual property rights to your writing or, Hey, I have this really amazing business name that either I'm using or intend to use. And it's taken a ton of work to come up with it. And it uniquely identifies my business. I want to make sure that to the extent possible, someone else can't just rip this name off and start profiting from all of my work. Mm hmm. And what is the difference between a trademark and a copyright? Sure. So, <laughs> a tra- <laughs> so for a trademark, I think one of the best ways to understand it is by way of example. So if I were to describe to you a big M outside of a business that's red in color, you would probably immediately think of McDonald's. That's a McDonald's logo, and it's a trademark because it's associated with their particular business, right? So if you were to go to a store that sold cheeseburgers that had that large M out front, you would assume that the business that you're going to is owned by McDonald's Corp or whatever their company name is. That's an example of a trademark, and that can be for a logo that's associated with a particular business, a name that's associated with a particular business, or a slogan that's associated with a particular business. Copyright, in contrast, is more of an artsy creative work. So um, copyrights protect things like photographs, um, written works, musical works, those type of unique creative creations. And 
in both copyright and trademark law, you by by using your mark or by making the creation, you get some default protection, but to get even more protection for your work, a lot of times you can file what's called a registration for that particular work. And it it costs money. So whether or not to do that is really something that you want to analyze and think about before doing it, because you don't just want to throw money at um, a government office for no reason. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to ask is like any given creative small business, let's say, has probably a brand name, possibly a slogan, probably a logo, a bunch of different products. So how do you suggest that people go about kind of make, doing that cost benefit analysis of like what is worth filing in some way on and what is not? Yeah, I think it's um, starting with an inventory like you kind of by example started to do is a great thing to do. So first make an inventory about the things that you care about. Um, You know, sometimes certain works you're not as attached to and you really don't want to put more effort into it. So conduct an inventory, figure out what your options for each are and figure out what. So I I would do a uh, inventory, categorize them by priority. Like I really care about this logo and want to, to the extent possible, prevent other people from using it um, and maybe come up with your top three and then figure out what your options for protecting them are. So I'm using trademark and copyright a lot because for most product-based or creative small businesses, those are the ones that come into play um, the most, but there's some others, but coming up and then determining what your options are. So can you file a trademark and is it likely to succeed? That's fortunately or unfortunately where talking to an attorney can really help because um, we deal with these things all the time. And there's analysis that we do naturally that you might not think about. So like a trademark, some of it is whether or not someone else is using that name, but there's other factors that come into play when determining whether or not you can get a registered trademark for that. Copyright's a little bit more about just making sure that it's an original work, but getting some help analyzing those can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. So I'll tie it. I'll try to tie it back a little. So um, conducting an inventory, figuring out what's important to you, figuring out what your options are and your likelihood of success. So currently, before I work with any filing trademarks for any clients, I always do a do research and a report to them so that they have some sense of is this worth filing? Because trademark office fees in particular, you know, it's a couple hundred dollars per mark that you're filing. And that's just the money that goes to that office. So interesting. Um, So obviously, like we'd probably all love to be able to work with an attorney on this stuff. Um, But I think that, well, I know that our budgets really vary. So what... What advice do you have for folks with tiny, tiny budgets? Should they be looking at something like LegalZoom? Um, Should they be maybe trying to do a consultation, like you said, and then doing the rest themselves? How would you approach or how would you suggest people approach figuring out how to like what what approach to use when it comes to tackling these different legal matters? 
Sure. That's a great question. And trust me, as a small business myself, I get it. <laughs> um, the good news is there are, like you mentioned, LegalZoom, a lot of new options out there for legal. I do recommend for virtually every business budgeting or saving up money, if that's, you know, if we're really on a shoestring, to do a one hour consultation with a small business attorney to figure out your legal needs. That's assuming that you, you know, some people do have some legal background or have worked with legal more. If you're comfortable identifying your needs, then you can just start hiring for what you need. But I think it really in 95 plus percent of cases is going to be worth it to have that consultation where the attorney can provide their expertise and you also get to ask the questions that you had. Um, Google has some answers. I will tell you, (laughs) there are a lot of right answers out there, but there are some very wrong answers. And it's, I know that because I can fact check a little bit easier. You know, I can look up the actual law behind stuff. But I think for most businesses, that's worth it. And that's probably going to be between $150 and $300. It would be a reasonable budget for that. Um, And then I recommend once you have this list of things that you need to do to legally protect your business and ask the attorney about priorities, just make that one of your question, which one of these should I prioritize? Start knocking them out as you can in order of priority. I think um, I actually don't tell my attorney friends, I don't hate LegalZoom. Um, For certain (laughs) things, they do a really good job. So LLC operating agreements for simple things, for a single, for a solo business, they do a good job. Um, I think you have to be careful there. There's a ton of upselling of things that you don't need. Or sometimes people, I've seen it, don't follow through on what LegalZoom tells you to do with the documents. Mm-hmm. And that's problematic, um, say, if you don't sign them or you you know, you know, just don't follow through with what the requirements are and the documents are just sitting there. In a lot of cases are as good as useless. So I think that can be a good option if you're being careful. And then, um, and particularly for just LLC formation, then there's an increasing number of attorneys that that I would say are similar to me, where we fill this gap between a really large firm that, you know, there's they won't even talk to you till you give them a thousand dollar retainer. So a thousand dollars to hold and bill against um, and doing it yourself. And some of these attorneys like me, like we try to offer more flat rate services for mm-hmm. things that we do regularly. So certain contracts for me are pretty routine um, and I can figure out a flat rate for people or offering sort of done with you services. For example, a contract template that you're going to have to do some of the work of filling in information in fields that are highlighted, but the templates there and you have instructions. So I call that, you know, done with you because it's not DIY, but it's also not, um, you know, fully custom drafted contract for you. And this ties back to budget because that tends to be a heck of a lot cheaper than having an attorney draft a contract at their normal hourly rate. Mm -hmm. That's really helpful. 
So I know that's a lot, perhaps more about the the evolving legal industry than you wanted, but no, I think it's that's really moving in a great direction for small businesses. It's becoming more accessible. Yeah. And those like stereotypes, you know, it's not cheap by any means, but that those stereotypes of that only really big businesses can afford legal are really changing. Um and I hope that people continue to learn about options like, you know, attorney drafted templates and that type of thing that are becoming more and more available in all sorts of industries. When you talk about this um, one hour ish consultation that you suggest pretty much everyone tries to have up front, um, where you're going to come away with kind of a punch list of different different items that you want to put in place to protect yourself or protect your work. Um, we talked about a couple of things that might be on that list, trademarks, copyrights, um, like LLC formation, perhaps. Do you have any other examples of the kinds of things that like, let's say our average, like product-based business, for example, what would they kind of walk out with on their punch list? I mean, those are really the big ones. And, and essentially, we're going or the formation contracts. I would call intellectual property like a group in itself, and we'd figure out for them which one of those are in there. And then compliance issues is really the fourth one is identifying in this particular line of business, is there something that we need to be particularly aware of? So, for example, if someone is building and installing, you know, cute custom shelves, there's some more risk there because people put items on shelves, shelves may fall, and we want to make sure that we have appropriate disclaimers or that type of thing. So in the product line, that's where it is. Um, Or it might be someone's, where someone's sourcing images for their product from might be the area of risk that we want to um, be concerned with. And then just a general marketing review. So looking at website, making sure that we have appropriate terms of service, which are a contract, um, privacy policies. Most of us these days, you know, many of us collect emails, um, might have some customer data. And that's an area where we're really seeing increased focus from both state and federal government. Um, Right now, it's a little more focused on large businesses, but that's something we all need to start thinking of so that we're at least, if not ahead of the curve, at least up um, with the curve. So those are the other big ones that come to mind Mm -hmm. off the cuff for most businesses, trying to generalize um, the most common ones. Awesome. One thing that's come up quite a few times already in this conversation is LLCs. And a lot of folks start as like sole proprietors. Um, but but we do hear a lot of advice to open up an LLC. Um, why is that something that is kind of so broadly recommended? And who is an LLC right for and who may not need to worry about that? Great question. And I laughed a little because I think it's so common that people are like, my friend that has a business that I need to start an LLC. Yes. Um, and it, and that <laughs> it's one that I do think is good advice. It's just people 
there's not a whole lot of like, and here is why yeah, um, totally. when the advice is given. But an LLC is a formal business entity. It's short for limited liability company. And what that is, it's a way of organizing your business so that instead of being a sole proprietor that operates just under your own business name, um, it's a separate entity from yourself. You create it by filing documentation with whatever state you're in or your business is in. Usually they're the same. The biggest benefit for small businesses is that it helps separate you as a person from you as the business so that your liability for business debts and and other like financial liabilities is limited to business assets. In other words, a business creditor can't pursue your personal assets. So say the business doesn't go well and you have um, creditors that want to come after you for money that you owe them. You intended to pay them. It's just you're in a contract and you your business isn't making enough money to pay. Having an LLC helps ensure that the creditor can't then say, oh, hey, actually, we're going to go after your car or your house or your personal bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a smart move for almost every business. A common objection that you'll hear is, oh, but I really don't have any assets or anything for them to go after. And that might be true now, um, but hopefully your business takes Mm -hmm. off and then Mm -hmm. you're paying yourself a salary or however you set up your um, ownership payment structure and you're making bank like a year from now. And the problem is if you, if say someone sues you, for something that happened early on in the business, they might be able to then still pursue your personal assets because the contract was with you personally and not with the business at that time. Um, It's also a relatively inexpensive thing to get set up, particularly if you are just a single business and then it's also key to make sure that you then create a business bank account that you're using and that you're keeping your your assets separate as mm-hmm. a not a tax person, but from a bookkeeping and tax perspective, it also makes things cleaner once you get that business bank account. So you mentioned single member LLC, which I think is like the kind of... Um, the first starting point, when would you be looking like, what would be the circumstances where you would not need a single member LLC? You'd need something more, or I know there are S corps. A lot of folks have. So do you have any guidance on like how to know which one is right for you within LLCs? Yeah, um, we'll start with for most, if it's just you owning, running, operating the business and in the near future, It's just going to be you. A single member LLC is probably um, the best option. I would talk to your whoever your tax advisor is about the S Corp thing. The language is kind of tricky because an LLC actually can elect to be taxed like an S Corp, even though Corp is for corporation. Um, So just talk to your advisor there. But the LLC is usually still going to be the right state entity and it's just what you do at a tax level that's going to vary. Um, a circumstance where you 
would probably form a corporation is a true startup. So you're creating this business to get investors, to get money, to run the business. Investors usually want a corporation. So if you had formed as an LLC, you'd have to, if it's permissible, convert to a corporation. So that's the major exception. Um, Even if you have other business owners, say there's two of you, you can still do an LLC. And for real small businesses, that's usually still the best approach. You just have, instead of a single member, you are a multi-member LLC. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to do the paperwork and keep up with requirements for an LLC than a corporation. Mm-hmm. I know that you have seen probably a lot of mistakes as a legal provider for small businesses. What are some of those mistakes that you see your clients or just small businesses in general making when it comes to legal matters? And what could we learn from those mistakes? Sure. Um, I think we, we're starting to pull out some themes today. So we've covered a lot in a in one way or the other, but I'll, I'll just list them out for you. Biggest mistakes are not forming an LLC, or at least considering that um, at that same stage, not getting insurance uh, that's appropriate for your business might be different for bu- different business types and not getting some sort of financial advisor. Um, usually it's going to be an accountant or accountant and bookkeeper I will admit that's a mistake that I made early on in my business. And my first year, it was a mess at the end of the year, trying to figure out what I owed and go back through documents. Um, So that's not directly legal, but it ties into that. So the LLC and then not having a contract for the main thing, main thing or things that you do. So if for products, um, It can depend where you're selling. There might be some built-in contracts, say if you're selling on Etsy or some other platform, um, but you probably want to consider whether you're adding terms or what the language in your descriptions are. But not having a contract both with your customers and with anyone that you hire to do something for you, whether it's a contractor, things along those lines, and a written contract... I know early in businesses, a lot of times we're working with people that we have some pre-existing relationship with. Maybe it's a friend that you hire for a few hours to help you with something. Um, We still want to have a written contract in place. And sadly, a lot of times those are where disputes end up Mm -hmm. coming up is because we had this trusting relationship And really, both of us are good people, and we just misunderstood what we were agreeing to. So putting things in writing helps there. And then I would say just not thinking or not. not, I think a lot of people think about legal, but putting legal off, it really is one that I view as an investment. You are spending money now, but you're saving yourself so much money on the back end lawsuits are really, really expensive if you end up getting sued. And while I can't prevent someone from suing you, we can put things into place that make it a lot more likely that you're going to win or prevail if that happens. Um, So doing and doing, it's really just the fundamentals that we're talking about. Doing those things makes such a difference in um, your business and the, and helping avoid the likelihood of any legal issues popping up. 
We've talked quite a bit about things that you might do like upfront when you're first getting started with your business or when you're first incorporating like legal into the way that you run your business. Like you might sit down with an attorney and have a punch list. Are there things that you want to be kind of revisiting on a regular basis? Or is this kind of like a figure it out in the beginning, check things off your list, and then you're done sort of thing. Um, Yeah, I would say everything is ongoing, but sort of some rules of thumb are doing some form of annual review. It might not take that long. It's just reviewing your contracts, um, reviewing your LLC agreement. Say you added another person that you want to be a business owner and you didn't adjust your LLC contract. When you do that annual review, you'll look at it and it'll trigger, oh, I need to make some changes. Or even yourself just looking at your contract at the end of the year, you might realize, oh, I've actually changed my product offering and I need to adjust this. Um, So annual and then anytime there's a major business change. So you're adding a new um, line of business, or you're adding a new partner to your business, you're starting to work with an employee or independent contractor. Those are all times that you should take a a harder look at everything. But if not, if everything's sort of status quo, I recommend um, annually and even, you know, follow some attorneys on Instagram. I am personally working on it, but have not been great on my Instagram, but there are other attorneys that are really great on Instagram that will give you, even if you don't hire them, you'll get updates on what's going on. So mm-hmm. oh, I do, you see there's a change in privacy laws. It triggers in you, oh, either I need to deal with that or talk to an attorney about that. So mm-hmm. it's ongoing, but it's a heck of a lot easier. Um, it's usually pretty minor once you get the the initial things set up. Yeah. Okay. That's really helpful. And I think my overall takeaway is that working with a lawyer can be way more accessible than we might assume as kind of tiny micro businesses. So um, I it's really helpful to hear a little bit more about how the in- legal industry is evolving to make it more accessible to the kinds of folks who are listening to this podcast. Um, I know that you practice in California and Florida. So if you are located in one of those places, Larissa would be a great option for folks who are not in one of those places. um, Where do you suggest people go to start finding lawyers who do the kind of work you do for businesses like ours? Sure. That's a great question. Also on some federal things like trademarks or copyrights, I might be able to help. So I always welcome emails to me. And if I know someone in your state, I can refer you um, if it's not something I can help with. But other than that, I think just starting to do some simple things and then whittle down, literally search Instagram for, for a few things, either small business attorney, San Diego, California, or small business attorney um, maker or something along those lines, or small business attorney Etsy, small business attorney, whatever your your particular thing is. That's just to start to get ideas of people. Um, so do that Google, Google and Instagram, and I think you'll start to find people. Also, I th- promote following other 
small business leaders, a lot of times I notice reputable business coaches might talk about working with their attorney and tag them in. And if that's in your industry, that's useful. Um, But so just do like some brainstorming, ask around, you'd be surprised. Other fellow business owners that you um, know, ask them who they use. So just brainstorm a list of particular people that either from references or just broad Google search. And then I would say when whittling down some things to look for are for small businesses, a large law firm, unless you're doing something like, you know, inventing things is usually (laughs) going to be true. Like truly in those cases, I'm like, please, that patent attorney is worth every penny, um, Mm -hmm. that large firm. But usually that's going to be overkill in what you're paying for. Um, So a law firm that's either a solo attorney up to maybe, you know, three, four attorneys in the office, read through their website, get a sense of um, what's their background. Is there a lot of corporate language or is it more like, oh, this is very relatable and they truly understand like micro or um, small business. So there's no one, unfortunately, place to look. Uh, but those are, I say, you brainstorm and then start to whittle down and then take advantage of free consults. You get a lot of a sense of someone's working style, their experience, and even just a short, free 15 minute call. Great tips. Yes. And love the, the tip to ask your small business friends for referrals or post like a Instagram story asking for folks who follow you to refer people. I think there's a lot of wisdom and great contacts within our networks that sometimes we don't tap into. So that's a great tip as well. Very well put. You described that much more succinctly than me, but yeah. Oh, no, no. I think that's an awesome tip. Before we start to wrap up our conversation on all things legal, I would love to hear from you if there's anything that we haven't covered in terms of just kind of legal basics that small business owners should have in mind or just any kind of final points on this. I think we really have covered all of the key fundamentals and I get excited and sometimes start to go into too much detail. So I think leaving it there and underscoring that, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a $10,000 expense in your business is fantastic. And that legal can really feel approachable. I'm going to go ahead and call myself a cool attorney, but there are (laughs) really professional experienced cool attorneys out there, whether it's myself or someone else, um, which makes it a lot more fun for both clients and myself when working with peers to work in this cool small business environment. So that's just a note of encouragement for anyone that might have some negative, but understandable preconceived ideas in their head. Yeah, no, I think that's been my kind of main takeaway is that it actually is like accessible to be able to work with someone who knows what they're talking about and is going to help you do better than just guessing, which is what a lot of us kind of start out by doing or Googling, which, as you say, sometimes what we find by Googling is right. Sometimes it isn't. So um, it's been cool for me to learn that actually this isn't something that has to be out of reach um, if you do it smartly. So thank you. Yeah. And that shouldn't feel intimidating either. You know, your attorney should never make you, we're not the dentist, we should never make you feel bad. I think it should (laughs) be a place of understanding and 
okay, I got you. We're going to work through this together and you're going to feel empowered at the end of this process. Yay. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, Starting to shift gears a little bit. I would love to know how you approach doing good through your small business. Yeah, I think um, the main ways for me are number one, and this ties into what I just mentioned, but a no jerks policy. So I never want to be a jerk to clients or even, you know, if there's attorneys I'm negotiating with on the other side. And I also don't work with jerks. And I think that's (laughs) just a positive thing to be putting out there. And hopefully it's, you know, one just small grain of sand that helps change the general business environment out there and what we deem as um, acceptable and and how the environment is. So that's something that is really important to me. And then I'm also working and if anyone has ideas and you want to contact me, um, let me know, but on figuring out ways to provide lower cost services to micro and really small businesses. So I just did a real soft launch of a five-day legal challenge to help um, small businesses understand some of the legal concepts and legal needs of most small businesses. And that I believe is $25. Um, So that I want to continue to hone and maybe come out with some other challenges or educational tools that people can access affordably and know that it's reliable information. Um, And then take that and whether they want to then hire an attorney or just DIY or use other tools done for you, available to you. And then trying to, when I can, offer things flat rate because I know usually a flat rate for the client ends up being less expensive than when you're paying hourly. So it's something that's an ongoing journey, but just figuring out how um, I can make a profit, but also have resources and ways to help people affordably learn about legal. Amazing. What would be one small business that you admire? I really like um, Studio Sisters. I believe their handle and their website is Shop Studio Sisters, but they are, as you can guess, sisters that both sell on Etsy and they have an Etsy course for sellers. I love watching their content, even their email list. I get a lot of free great tips for selling on Etsy. Um, So I admire them. I admire that they're pursuing, you know, two parallel, two related um, arms of their business and that they're doing something that so many people that are not in the small business or creative world always tell people they can't do, right? You hear a lot like, you can't make like six figures on Etsy. Well, they've done it. Um, That type of thing. Or you can't make a job, like a full-time career out of your creative hobby. So I love that. And it's inspiration for me. And I think hopefully for other people too. So I really enjoy following them. That's a great recommendation. I'm excited to check them out. And their stickers are really cool. Oh, good to know. Good to know. We will link that in the show notes. What about a book recommendation? I, this is old school. I like The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Uh, It is dated at this point, but I think the concepts still hold true. It was one of the first books that helped me think about 
you know, how to do things differently as a business. I'm still not down to a four hour work week, but a girl can dream. Um, but I think it's a great, just foundational business book for anyone. Amazing. Okay. Well, this has been so much fun, Larissa, to like really dig into legal a little bit by far the most that we've done on this topic on the podcast so far. So I think folks are going to learn a ton. Um, I would love for you to share where people can connect with you, where they might find any resources, or um, I know you mentioned a challenge, just any of the things that you want to point people in the direction of. I'd love for you to share that, share that with folks now. Sure. So Right now, the most reliable location to connect with me is my website, which is boldcitylegal.com. That's sort of a link to other places and contact info for me. My Instagram is at boldcitylegal. Um, I just, full disclosure, I'm working on it, but I the vision is that that will be a cool resource for people to learn more about the law as well as just fun business stuff, right? Because I'm running a business and I like sharing that info as well. And then if you like behind the scenes and totally different stuff, at Eclectic Adventures is my personal Instagram where I mostly share outdoor photos. Amazing. Uh, Okay, Larissa, thank you so much for being so generous with your expertise and everything you shared today. I know everyone is going to have learned a lot. I certainly did. So thank you so much for being here. I'm really grateful. Yeah, thanks for having me here and bearing with me through legal. (laughs) Yeah, that was fun. Thank you. Talk about a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much to Larissa for sharing so much expertise here. Be sure to go connect with Larissa. You can find her online as well as everything else mentioned in this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 160. That's 160. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful to have your support. Here are three ways that you can give back to Making Good. First, I'd be honored if you'd leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to subscribe and follow along. If you have a friend that you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. Today's episode can be found at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 160. And finally, I'd love for you to take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilton and Larissa too at Bold City Legal. We would love to cheer you on. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.